I'm so thankful to see you this morning. Let me begin by wishing all of our fathers a happy Father's Day. I became a father 38 years ago. That seems like a long time ago to me, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, you know, there have been a few challenges along the way, but I'm so grateful that the Lord has uh, blessed me with a terrific family. And I know you feel the same way about yours. It's such a joy. I know that we've got several people that are out of town uh, this weekend celebrating Father's Day. Uh, but boy, we have a nice-looking crowd today considering all the restrictions that are on us and, uh, you know, having to be careful and cautious and that kind of thing. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Uh, we're not all the way through this crisis yet. Uh, as you know, Louisville is one of the hot spots in Kentucky. Uh, so we don't want to go out and do anything foolish. Just use caution. You heard me say from the very beginning that caution is not the enemy of faith. It is not. We can be cautious, and at the same time, we can believe and not have to live in fear. I'm glad to see you all here today. As we move through these next few phases, you might have noticed today we've put a few extra chairs out because they have lifted the restriction from 33% to 50%. And uh, I believe it won't be much longer before we'll be back at 100%. And, and we'll be able to fill this place up with worshipers gathering together in the name of the Lord where two or three in the, are gathered in, in His name. He will be with us and great and wonderful things will take place. Donna and I just, we've been trying to get out of the house a little bit every day. Uh, just so that we don't drive each other crazy is the primary reason. And yesterday she she came out and she was dressed and ready to go and I, I really wasn't. I was just, I was going to work out in the yard or whatever and she said, are you ready to go? I said, where are we going? She said, I don't know, but we're going somewhere. We ended up going all the way up to Brown County, Indiana and uh, looking at some campgrounds and some campsites and <clears throat> I was amazed at the number of people that were in that campground. I mean, there, there was no such thing as social distancing, I can tell you that. Uh, and we, we drove around and uh, looked it over and then came home, didn't get home till late last evening. But uh, it, it has been a wonderful time of being able to draw close, closer to the Lord and to enjoy His presence in our lives. Thank you so much for remembering Kelly Doby today and uh, her family, as most of you know. Many of you know her dad, Don, who was a pastor uh, here in Louisville for many, many years and uh, had been having some issues, failing health over the last few uh, months. And he uh, passed away yesterday. It was non-COVID related, for those of you who might be curious. Um, but he uh, he passed yesterday, and so they are beginning to get all the funeral plans together and things of that nature. That's probably the reason that Kelly's not here today and the Davis family as well. They're so very close. But continue to pray for that family and so many others in our church that are dealing with sickness and emotional issues and financial issues because of the unemployment. I know that that doesn't always get the attention of the news media, but they are our brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we want to uphold them in their faith and in, in their circumstances. So continue praying for them. And then, just so that you can have a couple of things to celebrate, uh, we're going to, we're planning at this time to launch our children's ministries back uh, in July. So that's still a couple of weeks away. For those of you who have been excited about that, uh, it's, it's in the near future. And so we will be able to get our children back into their smaller groups and be able to worship together and, uh, and hear from the word of the Lord on their level in such a way that they can understand. So we're excited about that. Thank you for those of you who prayed for our opening this week for the Child Care Center. We were able to open uh, without any real difficulties at all. The parents were very agreeable to all of the new regulations and things of that nature, and we had a good week. We're able even to enroll some, some children and some families this week uh, that had not been on our, our role at this point. So God is good and he's doing a wonderful, wonderful thing. And then let me give you one more reason uh, to, uh, 
to just celebrate with me today. You know, we've been, we've been putting a lot of seed in the ground around the world, world missions, things of that nature. The last year is probably one of the best world missions years that we've had since I've been here. We've just put a lot of money out there, and you know that you can't outgive God, right? So last week we had an issue with an air conditioning unit in our, in our uh, office complex. And so they came out and tried to fix it, the company that, that we always use, uh, you know, and they looked at it and they said, well, we, we can probably fix it, but it's just one thing and then another and it's an old system and all that. And so I said, well, how much to replace it? And they said, well, we can replace the whole thing installed and what have you for this amount of money. And so I gave them the go-ahead to do it so that they'd put it in. And Jonathan was here. I was out of town. Jonathan went by and watched them work for a few minutes, and he said, I'm confused. He said, I thought that was the unit that we were replacing, that, that one over there. And uh, you're replacing this one over here. And said, there's got to be a mistake. And they said, no, there's no mistake said, we are sick and tired of fixing that unit over there. It has been on this property for over 35 years. It was used when they installed it then. This unit is about 57 years old, and we cannot find any parts for it. And so we made an executive decision to replace it. And Jonathan said, well, you should have let us in on that. Because we haven't asked the pastor about the expenditure and how much. And they said, no, you don't understand. We are replacing that unit and not charging you anything for it. <laughs> so not only did we pay for a five-ton unit installed, but they donated a ten-ton unit for our children's ministries department at no charge to the church. Can you say praise the Lord for that? God is good. There's no question about that at all. So I knew you'd want to celebrate with me over that. And we just believe that God is going to continue to do these kinds of things among us as we continue to do what he has called us to do and to get seed in the ground in these last days. I want to see souls saved, don't you? And that's really what it's all about. Good to have my brother-in-law and sister-in-law with us this morning. Uh, we were not expecting them to come. They live in Dover, Tennessee, and uh, he is a military veteran, retired, and now working for the post office, and uh, they just decided to show up today. And uh, so we are so excited and delighted to have them with us today. Why don't you give them a good spirit life welcome this morning? Praise the Lord. All right, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to Psalm chapter 103. Psalm chapter 103, and I want to share with you five verses today, verses 1 through 5, and we want to talk to you for just a few moments this morning about what I'm entitling an eruption of praise, an eruption of praise. Praise. If you're there, read along with me. Beginning at verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, some translations say from destruction, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you will anoint it as I speak today. Every time that I speak, Lord, I lay claim to the promises of God that declares that your word shall never return to you void, but will always accomplish everything that you intend for it to do. And so I know that to be true today, and I preach 
what you've laid upon my heart, and I pray that it will be an encouragement and a blessing to your people. In Jesus' name I ask it, amen and amen. I love the book of Psalm. I, I love to read through it frequently. I also love Proverbs. Proverbs has 31 chapters in it, and many years ago I started reading one proverb every day, and you can read through Proverbs 12 times in a year just by reading one proverb every day, once a month. But I also love Psalm because it is really, it's a book of poetry, it is historical in nature, it is prophetic in nature in that it points to the, the Messiah, but it is also a songbook, if you will, of songs that David and other psalm, psalmstresses and psalmters, psalters, and what's the word I'm looking for? Let me say it like this, songwriters, wrote the book of Psalm in many ways just as a way to express praise and worship. And Psalm 103 is one of those glorious songs that, wouldn't you love to hear the music that was written to it? Wouldn't you love to hear it in, in, in all of its full orchestration? And, and it would really be cool to be able to hear it the way that David intended it. But we do at least have the lyrics. And so today I want to talk to you about this passage of Scripture and how that it is really, in many ways, it's just an eruption of praise in the heart of David. So let's look at some things about this passage of Scripture. First of all, I would like to suggest to you that it is our responsibility as the children of God to praise God on a regular basis with all of the energy that we can muster up. Amen? Because He is worthy of our praise. I like what he says, and if you read the entire psalm, you'll see many times him saying, bless the Lord. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And so when he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, he's saying, I am worshiping God on an emotional level. This is not something I'm doing because some preacher is cheerleading me or some worship leader is trying to encourage me to give praise to God. This is a soul thing. It's like the old song, I'm a soul man, you know. It comes from the emotion. It, it is laced with joy and happiness and, and celebration. It comes from the very depths of our being. In moments of mourning and difficulty and frustration, even then praise can rise in the midst of our difficulties and can bring us to a place of celebratory victory. Amen. Because God has given this tool for us to use to not only lift our spirits, but to lift His because He enjoys the praises of His people. So he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's, it, it's an eruption within my, my man, within my soul man, within my emotional man. And then he goes on to say, he said, I, I praise him with everything, he said. And so he's saying that I'm going to use every ounce of energy that I have to worship and praise the Lord. You know, I often wonder what would happen in one of our gatherings if everybody in the building decided one day, I'm going to church and I'm going to give my God my best. I mean, from the minute I walk in the door, I'm going to be lifting up praises to the King because He's worthy. Nobody's going to stop me. No one will prevent me from doing it. I'm not going to worry about what others think about how I'm expressing my love to Jesus. I'm coming for one reason today. It's not to try to get anything from God or to get anything from anyone else. I am coming to give my most high praise to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. I've come to worship and glorify Him. Let me tell you, I can remember back in the day when I was a kid what I do call eruptions of praise. 
where people begin to come in and worship and honor the Lord, and all of a sudden it was like a wind blowing through the sanctuary, a wind blowing through the house of God. It was almost as though you could hear it with your ears as people began to worship God. There were many times that I felt like that I was experiencing a wave of the glory of God as it came over the sections of the church. Sometimes it would move from the right to the left and other times it would move from the left to the right and from the front to the back and the back to the front and then there was what I would call just an explosion of the Holy Spirit that would take place in the house of God and people could not be silenced. They could not keep their praise to themselves. They would stand and lift their hands and clap their hands and and sing unto the Lord a new song. And I'm telling you, it was some of the healthiest and happiest moments that I've experienced in my lifetime. And I pray for that again. I pray that we get to the place where we really don't care what anyone thinks about us and whether or not that we should be acting a particular way or whatever, but our goal is simply to exalt the name of the Lord God Almighty. Bless the Lord, O my soul, my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. I can remember old Sister Snedeker, she used to praise the Lord like that She'd come down and one of her friends, they'd get down and they'd start doing the holy holy helicopter. And one of them would pick up the other one and start swinging her around. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that you need to do something like that. But what I am saying is, is that these ladies didn't care what anybody thought. They needed to praise and honor and worship God. And they did so with everything in them. So we praise Him from our emotions. We praise Him with everything that is in us. And that's the kind of praise that God is seeking from His people. Now it should be very easy for us to do. Because if we would join the psalmist here and begin to think about all the benefits and the blessings that have come into our lives because of Jesus Christ, it should really not be difficult at all to worship and praise Him. Because God has blessed us in every way. I was telling some of the ladies at the back today, I am blessed, I am highly favored. Whether I'm coming in or whether I'm going out, I am blessed, amen. Because the blessings of Almighty God are mine for the taking. You say, well, what kind of blessing should I be looking for? Well, first of all, the psalmist said we should bless the Lord because we are forgiven, amen. All of us were scallywags at one point. All of us were deep in our sin, but God has forgiven all of our transgressions. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh, not just one or two of them, but all of them. Everything that we've ever thought, everything that we've ever done, every action that we've taken that was contrary to the will of God has been forgiven by Him. Amen. We don't have to walk around in our lives full of condemnation hoping that we can make it through the day without sinning because we have the power of God within us, the forgiveness of God that allows us to declare every day of our life there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but walk in the Spirit of God. If you want to be able to bless the Lord for this kind of forgiveness, you can do it by walking in the Spirit of God. Amen. We are commanded in Scripture to be filled with the Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm thankful today that I am filled with Holy Ghost power. Amen. I don't need a drink to light me up. I've got the Holy Spirit every day that gives me the strength and the power that I need. So David extols the fact that God will forgive all sins. Anything you've ever done, 
God will forgive. We find it all throughout the New Testament as well. 1 John 1 1 and 9 says, The Lord will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not a little bit of it, but all of it. I was trying to scrub my wheels on my vehicle the other day and get the brake dust off. I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but sometimes it can be difficult to get in all those cracks and crevices. And sometimes you need a little toothbrush or something in order to get back into the places that you can't get your fat thumbs and fingers and hands in. But if you stay at it, and if you get all the right equipment and the tools, and you can get in those cracks and crevices and get those wheels looking brand new. I don't know how you are about it, but I like for it to look nice. I like when I drive up in the parking lot for somebody to say, man, that is a fine-looking vehicle. We can have that if we'll put the work in and get into the cracks and the nooks and the crannies. All of us have places like that in our heart. And we have to say to the Lord, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And if there is, Lord, I invite you to cleanse every transgression and cleanse everything that is in my life that would prevent me from being everything that you've called me to be. I want to be all that he has enabled me to be in Christ Jesus. How about you? Now, there are some who would say, well, it's hard to believe that God would forgive everything. But the Scripture does tell us that He will forgive all of our transgressions. But also, we see that there are some things that are not forgiven. For instance, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 32, it talks about sinning against the Holy Spirit. It says, it shall not be forgiven. And then in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26, the writer talks about willful sin for which he declares there is no sacrifice for those sins. And then John writes about the uselessness of praying for a brother who sins and sins unto death. So there's at least three examples where the scripture says, There's no sacrifice for that. There's no forgiveness for that. If someone is sinning to the point that it will bring death into their lives, you are wasting your time to pray for someone like that. So I thought you said that he would forgive all transgressions and sins. Oh yes, he will. If you look deeply at all of those examples that I just gave you, It is not God that it is fault. It is not God that refuses to forgive. It is the individual who refuses to line themselves up in such a way with the Word of God that God is able to forgive them. Sin that is unforgiven is sin that is is forgiveness that is refused by the individual. God will not violate your will. And so it becomes your responsibility to say to God, cleanse me and forgive me of all transgressions. Aren't you glad to be saved today? Aren't you glad to know that you've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, that every transgression, every sin has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west and will never be remembered against us again. The old timers used to sing a song that says, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. I like those lyrics because literally every day that we live, if we have the blood of Christ applied to our lives and we've been forgiven from our sins, God will not hold those transgressions against us. We are free. Thank God I am free. Thank God I am free from the chains and the bondage of the sin of this world. Amen? Thank God. And then he says we are healed. Not only are we forgiven, but we are healed. Now, this particular passage of Scripture is not just talking about sickness. It's not just talking about cancer 
or rheumatoid arthritis or a stomach virus or COVID-19 or whatever the case may be. It's not just talking about those kinds of physical attacks, but it's talking about every kind of ailment and sickness that can attack these human bodies. I did not know this, but they say that something as simple as anxiety can bring on so many symptoms in our body that we can literally feel sick and go to the doctor and the doctor will say to us, there's nothing wrong with you. That happened to me several years ago. I was having anxiety, anxiety attacks and I couldn't hardly make it through the day and I went to the doctor and the doctor put me through a battery of tests for my heart, for everything else in my, my body that he could check and when he was all finished, he said, sir, there's not anything in the world wrong with you. I can't find anything wrong with you. He said, so I'm going to give you a pill that will cause you to be calmer than you are. And I want you to take this every day because it will help your anxiety. And I said to the doctor, I said, well, I, I don't believe that it's at that level. I am a Christian. I am a believer. And if anxiety is rooted in fear, then I can take care of the fear. Because the scripture says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So while I appreciate your willingness to give me that anxiety pill, me and Jesus are going to take care of this. And together the Lord and I were able to work our way through my anxiety issue. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in just a matter of hours. But over a period of time, Jesus helped me to take authority over that anxiety and to be able to move through it and out of it in Jesus' name. So I'm thankful. Now I know that there may be people in this house today that you're on some kind of anxiety medication or whatever. I'm not throwing stones at you. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't do that. But what I am telling you is that the psalmist looked at his body and his life and he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of my benefits, for he heals all of my diseases. Aren't you glad that he is? Is the healer, amen. He knew that Jesus would be the healer even before Jesus took the stripes upon his back in the New Testament to provide healing for each and every one of us. It was prophetic in nature that Jesus would come and by his stripes we would be healed of our disease. Amen. Aren't you thankful for healing power? Aren't you thankful for healing virtue? Aren't you glad that he is still able to heal? God's able to heal through many different methods. I know that we've got people in our church that you're uh, doctors and nurses, not doctors, but nurses and, and, and medical care personnel. And I know that you rely upon science in order to heal people and bring healing to their bodies. And that's quite all right. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but science flows out of the Word of God. Science is a confirmation of all that God has said would happen and the way it would happen, and science confirms it, and we are able to use scientific ways to bring healing to our bodies. There are natural ways for us to bring healing to our body. We can walk, we can get off the couch, and we can exercise, and, and we can stretch our muscles, and we can laugh, and because laughter is like a medicine. There are natural ways for healing to be accomplished in our body. 
But regardless of how it happens, whether it's divine or scientific or natural or whatever the case may be, it all goes back to the source who is God the Father. Amen. He is our portion in the land of the living. And when we need healing in our bodies and healing in our soul and healing in our mind, we have direct access to the one who is able to bring healing in an instant. Amen. Aren't you glad? Why don't you join the psalmist and praise him for that this morning? We're forgiven. We're healed. And then he says we are redeemed. Man, I like that. Who redeems your life from the pit. From destruction. The enemy of our soul, the devil, wants nothing more than to destroy you. The Bible says that he will kill you, he will steal from you, he will destroy you. But Jesus said, wait, 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 there's more to the story. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. When the enemy of your soul comes to kill and destroy you and steal from you, you have the right to say, oh, no, wait a minute. I'm just going to go ahead right now and start praising the Lord because my Bible says that he has redeemed me from destruction. He has redeemed me from the pit. I don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy when the Lord has already declared that I have been redeemed. Amen. Again, we used to sing an old song years ago that says exactly that. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been. Then all the bass singers that couldn't sing bass says, I have been I have been redeemed. Aren't you glad that we've been redeemed today? It means a couple of things. Number one, we're bought back by the Redeemer from the effects of sin. In other words, Jesus has paid the price to buy us out of sin. We were all born into sin. The instant that you were born and everybody's standing around looking and saying, oh, what a beautiful little baby. What a beautiful little girl. What a beautiful little boy. And it's true. They, they are marvelous. And they are wonderful. But you know what else they are? They're sinners. And you say, oh, not my baby. You didn't see my baby. I didn't have to see your baby. Your baby was a sinner born into sin. They are given grace by God until the, the point of accountability and at the point when they are old enough to make a decision to either accept or reject Christ, it becomes their responsibility to move away from sinfulness and into the kingdom of God. And parents, never forget, it's your responsibility to lead them that way. I wish I had time this morning for Carolyn to come up and give you the testimony that she shared with me this week about a little girl in our child care center who, who it clicked with her about the salvation message of Jesus Christ and accepted the Lord as her Savior. You say, can you do that in the child? Oh, yeah, we can. We tell the parents before they even sign on the dotted line. We, without shame, declare the name of Jesus Christ. Your child will not hear about Buddha here, and they will not hear about Mohammed, and they will not hear about all of the other religious uh, systems that we can mention but they are going to hear about Jesus because Jesus is the only name given among men whereby men must be saved and we're going to tell them about Jesus until we turn blue in the face because we believe it is their only hope for salvation it is their only hope for eternity they can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and taken out of the pit the pit of sin and brought into the kingdom of God but the scripture also talks about how that there will come a day when our bodies are redeemed from the grave 
In uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 23, it says, We ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for our adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Now listen, when we die, this temple of flesh will be laid in the ground and it is going to return to the dust from which it was formed. Our body is going to lay there for however many years it takes for either Jesus to come again or, 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 or for the rapture to take place and everyone who is alive and remains and then those who have gone on before in, by way of the death, uh, by way of the grave, are going to rise again. But when we rise again, guess what? These bodies will not be the same. We, we won't be able to sprain our ankle. We won't be able to break our arm. And we won't be able to have bad breath. I mean, some of us, all we got to do is wake up in the morning and bad breath is all over us. We won't be able to have that. We, I don't believe we'll have to go to the, to the hairdresser and get our hair curled and, and colored and cut and all that. I mean, we're going to have glorified heavenly bodies that have been transformed by Him redeemed. We're not going to just lay in some hole somewhere and always be there. Now our, our body is separated from our soul because we will be in the presence of the Lord at the moment that we die. Now just, just, just a little clean up here. Last week I said something about John the Baptist when his head got cut off that he was immediately in the presence of Jesus. Jesus was still alive at that time. So that was a mess up on my part. Someone brought that to my attention and I said thank you for listening. It's like one time I heard a preacher talking about they wanted a chandelier in their, mas- in their mansion in heaven and somebody said what in the world you're going to need with a chandelier when the light of the world is going to be in heaven. You're not going to need it because the light will be there. But I'm telling you that the body says that, when, or the Bible says that when we pass from this life, then we are immediately in the presence of Jesus Christ. So our soul is with Him, but this old body that we've used for however many years while alive on this earth is still stuck in a hole somewhere or has been cremated and is in little bitty pieces in a jar in somebody's kitchen drawer Uh, but whatever somebody said how's God going to get all that together oh it won't be tough for him all he's going to have to say is reformulate sir get up come on come with me because when Jesus walks out on the clouds of glory and the trump of God sounds everyone who has died and spent time in a grave is going to get up out of that grave and be reconstituted not in an old body but in a glorified redeemed state that is given to us by God amen so I, I, I get questions like this all the time well when I go to heaven will I still be fat when I go to heaven am I, am I going to be the, old, the age that I am now and, and when I go to heaven am I, gonna, am I still going to be married because I'd like to have a second chance if possible no, nobody's ever said that. You get all kinds of questions. What's it going to be like? I wish I had the answer to all those questions. I believe we'll understand who one another is. I, I, I believe that I'll know who Donna is and she'll know who I am. And I, I believe I'll know who Paul is and who Robert is and we'll know one another. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is that we will live in a body that will be glorified because it has been redeemed by the Redeemer. Amen. And I am looking forward to that. The fourth thing that he talks about is being crowned. He said, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Because he loves us and because he has mercy on us, he gives us everything that we need to release power and authority in our lives. Now in Scripture, there were, there were ways that people were designated or you understood 
the kind of authority that they had. You remember a couple of weeks ago I mentioned to you about the prodigal son and how that he came home and the dad said, get the royal robes and put it on him and, and get my ring, my signet and, and put it on him and kill the fatted calf and because he is being restored. He has given back everything that he had before and he has the ability now to, and he is authorized to represent me in business. And so when, when David says that, that God is going to crown us with steadfast love and mercy, what he is talking about is a, a transfer of power, not that he's giving up his power and authority, but because he is sharing his power and authority with us. And so his divine nature is resident in us and enables us to carry out his purpose in our lives. So today, I may not look like I have a crown on my head, but I do. I am crowned with authority. You may not feel like you have a crown on your head today, but you are crowned with authority. You are crowned with the power of God. There is nothing too hard for you. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror because you have been crowned with the loving kindness and the steady love of God and the mercy of God that allows you to operate in this world with all of the power and the authority that you need. So when the enemy comes running your way trying to tell you how defeated you are or how defeated you're going to be, you can just, oh, you don't understand. You may have missed it, devil. There's a crown on my head. I have been crowned with the power of God. I have been crowned with the authority of God. His, his steadfast love resides within me. I'm empowered by the divine nature of Christ that lives and dwells within me. I can love everyone regardless of the color of their skin or the gender of their flesh or regardless of where they're from. It doesn't matter if they're from Indiana or Illinois or Kentucky or Tennessee. It doesn't matter if they're from Timbuktu. I have the power of God in me that enables me to love all people at all times in every way, no matter who they are and what their past is. Some of us just need to understand that God has called all people into the kingdom of God. He has made us all. We all have the same blood flowing in our vein. It's royal blood, church. It's royal blood. It doesn't matter what type it is. doesn't matter what color the skin is on the outside. The blood that flows in me was created by God himself. And if I can't look at anyone else and love them with the love of Jesus Christ, there is a root of sin in me that has to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has not called me to judge anyone. He has called me to love everyone with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad we're crowned? Amen. We are crowned with his love. We are crowned with his mercy. We are crowned with his power. We are crowned with his authority. All things are possible to those who will believe. And he is worthy to receive praise because he has crowned us with his power. Amen. And one final thing. If you'll come help me quit. Not only... Are we forgiven? Not only are we healed, not only are we redeemed, not only are we crowned, but the scripture says that he satisfies us with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. He satisfies us with good. 
You know, even the bad things that God allows to come into our lives are covered in good. What the enemy means for harm, God turns it for good. God may allow us to go through a period of testing and trials, temptation. He doesn't tempt us. He says He doesn't tempt us. The enemy will tempt us. Sometimes God will let Him tempt us so that we can ultimately declare our victory over the enemy. Satisfied with good. It means this. Even in your advanced age. Do we have anybody here today in advanced age? Even in your advanced age, you will be satisfied because of the good things with which God supplies you. He's just going to keep pouring blessing into your life. He's just going to keep pouring it into you. Just pouring it in, pouring it in, pouring it in, pouring it in. Bill Gaither, I think it was, wrote the song, If it keeps getting better and better, oh Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel that way today. If God keeps blessing me the way that He's been blessing me, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm praising Him with every ounce of energy that I have. I'm, I'm praising Him and blessing Him with my, with my emotional being. I don't know what else to do if He keeps blessing me. And so all I know to do is to keep blessing the Lord because He satisfies me with good. It says, it means your disposition will be that of a youth. Indeed, you will continue to soar as a majestic evil. Or eagle, excuse me. Your disposition will be that of a youth. Yesterday I came in from the house and I had been working out in the yard. It was hot. Yesterday was hot. I mean, it really was. I came in the house and I was, I'd just come in and, and Donna looked at me. And she said, what are you mad about? I said, well, I'm not mad at all. I said, but man, it is hot out there. And I said, it's just going to take me a minute to get my face back where it needs to be. <laughs> you know, just to, to, to reorganize my thoughts and my thinking. You know, sometimes our disposition does not properly reflect the joy of the Lord that is inside of us. And sometimes we have to redirect our face. Sometimes we just need to tell ourselves a joke so that we'll smile and replace that frown with the smile and the joy of the Lord. Our disposition ought to be one that is constantly pleasing the Lord and blessing the Lord and smiling and joyful even though we may be going through difficulty, even though we may be going through hardship, we have a right to praise the Lord. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Wherefore we faint not, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. The peach truck came through Mount Washington a couple of weeks ago. I like peaches. Donna saw it. She said, why don't you go down and get us some peaches? I said, I'm going to go get some peaches. Went and got some. Gave some to Aaron. Aaron brought me a peach cobbler and a carton of ice cream. I, I started to say she's my favorite child, but she's really not. But I'm telling you what, I did appreciate that. I enjoyed those peaches. But after a while, we had so many peaches, the peaches, the skin on the peaches started drying up. You know what I'm saying? Started getting wrinkly. And so I, I thought, well, it's time for me to start eating some peaches big time. I mean, I need to download some peaches. I remember many, many years ago, my 
my in-laws came to California to visit Donna and I who were in college in California. And my father-in-law loved to eat. I mean, he'd eat anything. He loved hot dogs. I mean, a hot dog anywhere on the face of the earth and he'd eat two or three of them. He loved them. But he loved fruit and he loved citrus. So he bought some citrus and we're going from California we're traveling, we're going through Arizona, getting ready to go into Arizona, and they stop us at the checkpoint, and they said, you can't bring those oranges into Arizona. Said, because we're afraid that bugs will come in with them, you can't do it, you gotta leave them here. You have to know my father-in-law. He said, I'm not giving my, my citrus for them to take home to their families tonight. We're gonna eat oranges. And we pulled off on the side of the road and he got his pocket knife out and let me tell you, we ate oranges until I was ready to puke, you know what I mean? I mean, we ate oranges, but you just have to know my father-in-law, that's the way it was. And when I looked at those peaches that were getting scribbled up and swiveled up and nasty looking, I decided I'm not going to throw those away. And I got my knife and I went out on the front porch and I ate peaches until I could throw up peaches. I love peaches. But as they get old, they start to shrivel up. They start to look nasty. I know people like that, don't you? They get old and they start to shrivel up and they look nasty. And what's even worse than that, not only do we look nasty, they start acting nasty. You know what I mean? That's one of the things I love so much about the church. This church. When I came here, we had some people that were getting older. They were declining in age but they had a beautiful spirit inside of them. They had a love for Jesus. They wanted to see the work of the kingdom of God expand and go forward. They wanted the church to grow. They wanted to see young families and young couples come in and, and, and solidify the growth of this church. They weren't shriveled up. They weren't nasty people. They were people who loved Jesus with all of their heart and wanted to do whatever they had to do in order to advance the kingdom of God here in this church. I'm thankful that even in our final days, we don't have to shrivel up in our spirit. We don't have to shrivel up in our soul but we can express the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ every day, every moment, every second that we live and let the world know that Jesus Christ is alive and well and He is a good, good God. Amen. There's a story told about a man named Howard Hughes. He is a very rich man. At the time of his death, they estimated his wealth to be two and a half billion dollars. Now this was a long time ago. So while that's a lot of money, I mean today there are people that have a whole lot more than that. But two and a half billion dollars, I'd give it a shot, wouldn't you? I'd give it a try. But they say in his final days that he sulked as a recluse in a Las Vegas hotel, locked himself away. He wouldn't keep himself up. His hair was matted. His beard was shaggy and long. And his fingernails had grown to the point that they looked like curled up claws on his body. When he died, they estimated his weight to be about 90 pounds and when they asked those who were closest to him how they could best describe this man they chose two words most miserable 
most miserable. Can you imagine having the resources that he had? The ability that he had to live the grandest life that he could ever want to live and yet he died a shriveled up crabby old man and it's because he did not know Jesus. Let me tell you today, money will not bring you satisfaction. Family cannot bring you satisfaction. Your job will not bring you satisfaction. <clears throat> There's only one way for you to obtain eternal satisfaction and it is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Amen, amen, amen. Said you're going to be in your old age like the youth of an eagle. They say that eagles are some of the strongest birds that live. So it's not uncommon that for them to live 20 years, 30 years, even 50 years and have strength in their body. There is even on record an eagle that was raised in captivity that lived to be 104 years old and outlived its caretakers. And in its last year, it still was able to fly, still able to glide, still able to do all the things that eagles do. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying that the psalmist said, when you start feeling tired, when you start feeling worn out, when you start feeling like your life is falling apart and crumbling apart and that you're too old to live productively again, don't fix your eyes upon your sickness or your disease or your frustration or your circumstances. Fix your eyes upon the eagle who is full of energy and strength and power and floats over every circumstance and every wind that comes its way. And God will satisfy you like the youth of an eagle. I don't know when I'm going to die. Could be today, might be tomorrow, could be 25 years from now, could be 35, 40 years. I don't know. I don't know. I know God knows. He's already measured out my life and knows exactly when my life will end. My goal and my desire is to go down like the psalmist did. I'm going to go out praising the Lord. I'm not going to forget His benefits. I'm not going to forget anything that He's done for me. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. I am forgiven. I am healed. I am redeemed. I am crowned. And I'm going to go out with my youth intact because I'm satisfied with my Lord are you satisfied stand with me if you will amen I love you so much and I just want to ask this morning I've scanned the congregation pretty close today and I'm pretty well aware of everybody that's here today and it's my opinion that probably everybody in the house today has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you're saved. This is a good place to be. But there may be people sitting out in our parking lot listening to us on FM radio right now. Maybe you're not saved. There might be people watching via live stream from these cameras. And you're not saved. Let me tell you today that Jesus Christ wants more than anything for you to come to Him for forgiveness. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal and everlasting life. So I just want to say to you today, wherever you might be, that if you will simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He says He is and who the Bible teaches that He is, right where you are, you can call out to Him 
and he will forgive you of your sin. And it will be the best decision that you will ever make. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Just pray a simple prayer from your heart and say, Lord, I believe that you are who you say you are. And I believe that I am a sinner from birth. But I also believe that you are able to forgive me of my sin. And so I'm asking you right now to forgive me and to come into my heart. I repent and I ask you to help me to become everything that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you prayed wherever you are? Jesus saved you. You say, well, what about all the other stuff? Oh, he'll work that out of you in time. You just worry about the decision that you made today. You, you concern yourself with that. He'll clean you up. He'll make you holy. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad I'm holier today than I was when I got saved because He has worked with me. He has forgiven me. He has, for, he has cleansed me of my sins and my transgressions. He's redeemed me. He's healed me in every way. And I'm so thankful to Him. Here's what I want us to do today. I want us to go out praising the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, I need... I need God to do something for me. I came to church today wanting Him to do something for me. Well, if you'll praise Him, if you'll just begin to lift Him up and say, Lord, I've heard this message today and I'm in, I'm inspired. I believe there's nothing too hard for you. I know that you are fully able to do all things. I know that you will give me, as you already have, all things that pertain to life and godliness and that you were able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power of God that works in me. So as I begin to praise you and glorify you and bless you right now, I believe right now in this atmosphere of worship that you're going to do in me and for me everything that I have need of. So are you ready to erupt in praise today? Are you ready to dig down deep and stir up the gift that is in you and give glory and honor to Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is high and lifted up? Are you ready to praise Him today? Come on, let's do it. Jesus, I worship You and I praise You and I glorify Your name today. My mouth shall not be silent. My words will flow forth from my innermost being. I will reach deep and pull up every ounce of honor and worship and praise that I can give you today for you are a good God. I thank you today for saving my soul. I thank you today for healing my body. I thank you today for redeeming me, for bringing me back and buying me by your blood. I thank you, Lord, today that you have given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. All that I need is mine because of you. And I glorify you and I worship you and I honor you today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now will you join me and give the Lord the biggest applause that you can give Him? Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Lead us in a song, if you will. Let's worship. In the joy, perfect peace, earthly pain finally will see. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the
here's how I want us to close this morning. I want us as loud as we can possibly say it to say the first and the second verse of chapter 103. Let me do it, and then I'll lead you in it. Are you ready? It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Are you ready? I want to hear you. Here we go. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. Amen. Come on, give Him praise one more time. God bless you. You can be dismissed. You have a wonderful week, and I'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you.